0: So, okay, so today's daf is, uh, is, is Gimel and Psachim. The thing is, it's funny that we have, a, we have two dots on the bottom there, on, the, on Bet and with Bet at the bottom. But really, it, it's pretty clear that it shouldn't be two dots because it's still the same discussion as before. So sometimes the two dots creep in. Uh, it, it helps us with daf yomi, knowing a place to stop. But, uh, but it's not really a new discussion. We're still discussing what is the meaning of the word Or in the first Mishnah. So it says, I really should say Metev because it's one person, more Zutra. He raised the following objection, and this is a Mishnah, actually, that should be uh, familiar to us. We learned this in, uh, in uh, this Breitah in, uh, in uh, Kretot. So this is talking about a woman who gave birth, and of course we know that there are two uh, periods. There's the two weeks where the woman is considered like a nida for a, for a, for a girl, where she's considered like a nida, and then there's 66 days where it's called the time of damtar, where she is not allowed to go into the Beit Hamikdash, but she's not really tameh. The blood that she sees is considered damtar; it's pure blood, so to speak, and therefore it's not really a uh, it's not a concern for tumah. And at the end, on day 81 she would bring the korban hayoledet that's on day 81 we're talking that now what can conceivably happen and the reason why it uses the example of um of a, uh, a, gr- a woman who gave birth to a female child is because what can conceivably happen is during those 80 days since there is uh, after the first two weeks she goes to the mikveh back then, that's what they did they went to the mikveh after the first two weeks and then she was be able to be with, would be able to be with her husband for the next 66 days of that damtar period, even if she saw blood it wouldn't be an issue according to the Torah. So therefore what, they would, what, what could happen is she could become pregnant and have a miscarriage in that time because it only takes 40 days to have a miscarriage that would qualify her require her to bring another now if she gives uh, if she has a miscarriage during obviously she wouldn't be able to carry a full term baby during that time, it's not (laughs) enough time but if she were to have a miscarriage during that time um, become pregnant right after the two weeks expires and then 40 days, within those 66 days to have a a miscarriage, uh, then she would not have to bring another korban because it's subsumed under the korban of the previous uh, birth. She would not have to bring (coughs) one. However, once she comes to day 81, even if that very day she did not bring the korban, because let's say she doesn't have time to go to the Beit HaMakdash until day 100, I don't know, whatever. So therefore, during that time, um, if she were to have a miscarriage, since she already had the obligation... ...of the first korban for the previous birth, so the new miscarriage would... ...or if she had another child in that time before she had a chance to, let's say, bring the, um, bring the korban. So that's a new uh, chiyuv altogether. It's a new obligation altogether. Okay, so now what, what Beit Shammai and Beit are talking about is somebody who has a miscarriage... ...on the night of Ur Ve'echad, meaning that tomorrow morning is the day, is day 81, that I'm going to be bringing my korban yoledet. Okay, the woman is going to be bringing the korban yoledet the next morning, and she has a miscarriage that night. So what does that mean? That means that the 80 days of Dam To'ar technically are over. If she were to see blood that night, it would be Dam Nida. However... She has not yet exited to a day where she could actually bring the korban because she can't bring a korban at night. So she finished the period of the 80 days but the korban won't be brought till the next morning. So the question is, what is the status of a miscarriage that takes place on that night? Do we say, since she hasn't had the opportunity to actually offer the korban, so she can still like include that miscarriage in the korban that she's bringing the next morning? Or do we say no, since the 80 days was over and really it's considered a totally new cycle and if she were to have Nida now, she would be in Nida, the whole thing. So therefore, also, if she has a miscarriage, it's a new thing. Okay, that's the Machloket. So here, Beit Shammai is actually lenient, right? Beit Shammai putrim b'koban. They say that since she has not yet come to the time, where she can bring the Korban, since she can't bring it till the next morning, so therefore any miscarriage she has, even on that night, is gonna be subsumed under that Korban. And Betelel say, no, it's a new thing because the 80 days is over. So, what's the difference tonight? Okay, the night of the, uh, of the 81st, meaning the night before she's gonna bring the Korban. What's the difference between that and tomorrow? since we know that the, basically in insofar as tum'ah is concerned meaning if the night after the 80th day she were to have a, a dam nida, it would be considered dam nida. we wouldn't say it's considered like part of the 80th day so uh, just like tomorrow meaning on the 81st day if she had dam in the morning it would be considered nida it wouldn't be considered dam torah it's not considered part of the 80 days so why don't we also say that if she has a miscarriage the night before she's supposed to bring the koban it's a totally new thing why should it be connected to the previous birth right that is, that's that that's what Beit Zila says, but midika Amar and of course Rashi goes through the whole discussion. What, are the, what did what a Beit Shammai say back, and what did Beit Zila say back? That's in Masachit Greatot. It's not directly relevant to what we're discussing. What we're discussing is what does the word Or mean? Because they use the word Or Lishmonim and it's very clear what it means in this context. There's no night question of what videos. it means, right? Yeah, it's as clear as night and day. In fact, right? <laughs> so I Amar Beit Right, What do they say? They said, what's the difference between the night of the 81st and the day? So you see from that, you see from that, that that obviously the word or means night. And we've already accumulated a number of lines of evidence pointing to the same thing. You can conclude from that 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 is indeed the case. Another objection. We're going to every area of halacha here. Okay, now we get to korbanot. Certain korbanot are eaten. Such as a Korban Tamid. It could be eaten day and night, meaning the day that you offer it. Right? You can, you eat, and I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, that's Shlamim. A shlamim is two days and the night in between. Right? A Korban Todah is that day and the following and the night that follows it. So, in other words, if you were to bring a Koban that today, you would have through tonight to eat it, okay? And then by tomorrow, you would have to burn uh, burn the leftovers. The Koban Shlamim, if you have, uh, if you brought a Koban Shlamim today, you would have today, tonight, tomorrow. Okay, until Wednesday night to eat it. You would have to stop Wednesday at sunset. Let's say eating that korban, but you get two days and vaila uh, Khan, Okay, meaning the, the night in in between. Now, now the, what, what what the what this brayta is going to note is unique here or is different between korban tamid and korban shlamim, is that when you bring a korban tamid that you have yom vaila, right? You have you have a day and a night to eat it. So what ends up happening is you have let's say you brought the korban to that today, so it's t- it's Tuesday, so you brought it today. And you have tonight, but then immediately when it expires, you burn it. Now the rabbis made a thing out of chatzot, that you're supposed to eat it before chatzot, but really you have the day and the night. So if you eat it today... Or you eat it tonight, and then as soon as it expires, meaning tomorrow morning, Wednesday morning, all of a sudden you burn it, right? There's no, there's no point of time where you can't eat it, but you also can't burn it. But for a korban shilamim, there's a unique phenomenon, which is that if I brought a korban shilamim today, I could eat it today. I can eat it through the night tonight because I get shenei yamim I could eat it today, I could eat it tonight, I could eat it tomorrow day. And then when does it expire? It expires on Wednesday at sunset, but I don't burn it Wednesday night. I wait until Thursday morning to burn it. So there's that entire time between Wednesday sunset and Thursday morning that it's nothing. Meaning I can't eat it and I can't burn it. So this is a unique thing. So that's what the Gemara going to talk about. So this is the point, right? The word or, again, is being used. What does or mean? It means I can eat it on Tuesday, which is day one, right? I can eat it uh, tonight, which is or sheni which is the night before the second day, which is Wednesday. They're talking about a Korban shlamim, right? And I can eat it on the, the, um, the second day, which would be Wednesday. But I can't <coughs> eat it what's called or lishlishi, the night before the third day. Meaning, uh, Wednesday night I can't eat it, even though I'm not going to burn it until Thursday morning. So it says, Maybe you should be able to eat it on that Wednesday night because, because we have a rule. Generally, which here it's talking about really Koban Toda mainly, or or maybe Koban Chatat, right? They're eating for one day. And they're burnt, right? And, 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 and so too, Shlamim is eaten for two days. So, Malhalan Laila Akharayom, afkan Laila Akharayom. Just like when it comes to Koban Khatat, or when it comes to Koban Todai, you can eat the Koban through the night that follows the day that you're allowed to eat it. So, why here do you get cut off during the day? Because it says you can only eat it on the day that you bring it. and the next day. So, if it were today, so then Tuesday, then Wednesday. And then it says right? whatever you leave over to the third day has to be burned. So, which implies you only have on a daytime to. They're learning from the extra word yom to teach you. You can only eat it during the day. Not during the night. So yacholi Sarif Miyad, maybe that means that since I'm since I can eat it on Tuesday and I can eat it Tuesday night and I can eat it on Wednesday, but not Wednesday night because you're saying only daytime, maybe I should burn it Wednesday night. Vidinu and it makes sense because because we have other kinds of Korbanot that are eaten for one day. And one night. And we have this korban that's eaten for two days and the night in between. So, Just like the korban, the second that you're done eating it, that's when the time to burn it comes. So So, so to here, since you have Tuesday day, Tuesday night, Wednesday day, and then as soon as Wednesday night hits, you're not allowed to eat it anymore. So burn it on Wednesday night. What are you waiting for? It says in the pasuk, whatever's left over from the meat of the korban, that you have to burn it on the third day, so if be yetas orufa b'la, I should say probably or sort of four or something like that, right? Be yetas orufa b'la, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So right, you you burn it during the day, not during the night. What's the point that um, that you the sroifa? It really and this is an interesting halacha, but it's not really (coughs) pertinent here. But the sroifata Kodashim, when they burn korbanot, it's also considered a type of avodah because it's also a mitzvah. So it's always done during the day. All right. So the uh, just like you burn part on the altar, you you, and you consume part of it. They're both called achilah. Achilat mizbeach, achilat adam. A person eats and the mizbeach eats, and the burning is also a type of consumption of the korban, just a consumption of what left over, not on the nizbeach and not by the person. The point is, it has to be done during the day. But what do you see here? Now, what was the whole point of bringing this in? Nothing to do with korbanot. That's not what we're learning right oh. now. But, Because what did it say? That the night before the third day, meaning Tuesday is Yom Rishon. Wednesday is Yom Sheni. Right? And in this case, Thursday would be Yom Shlishi. Or the Yom Shlishi, meaning the third day from the Korban, not the third day of the week. You should be able to eat it Wednesday night, and it said or lishlishi alma or So again, it's obvious that that's referring to the night following Wednesday, preceding Thursday, as or the light before the following day. And another example, or sheli kippurim, the night of Yom Kippur. Obviously, it's talking about midpalil sheva. You have seven b'chot in the because you have the first three b'chot of every Amidah, last three b'chot of every Amidah, the middle b'chot, right? It's uh, right umidvade. And you say vidui in the morning again you have seven plus vidui in musaf you have seven and vidui it skipped uh, right? yeah but anyway because they, they had um, yeah, it, it probably has it yeah I think it does yeah, in the original but it's giving it the point is that uh, yeah it says Right, okay. But the point is that it's not so pertinent here, so they're doing it bekitsur. They just want to get to the point. They're doing it briefly. Right? But in, in Arvit, after, after Yom Kippur, they would say, uh, they would say uh, like we learned about, they would say the Havinenu, uh, uh, the where it summarizes all the brachot of the 18, rather than saying a full shmona because people are tired from, they prayed enough. You know, Yom Kippur is like people are ready to go. They want to do another Amidah. Basically, right? That's Rabbi Khaninab and Gamelomish, but Rabbi Chanina ben Gamliel said in the name of his ancestors, Mithpalil Shmara Shlemot, he said no. on the, on the Arvit of Motze Yom Kippur, you should really say the entire Amidah, so you can say a tachonantanu, Havdalah Bchoninadat. So you can say the Havdalah part in the Khonin Adat. So but the, <laughs> you know you could you see from this that the rabbis they were very sensitive to the length of tfilah. They didn't like to extend. They said, "No, people are going to be tired at the end of Yom Kippur. We should make it shorter. That was the immediate, that was their first inclination. Before they said, well, but we have a tachonantanu, okay. But really, you see that they were sensitive to that. Even to the point that I always, I always laugh at this, that the Rambam, when he talks about the tzkiot of Musaf, he says you should only do tashrat for the first one, and only tarat for the second one and tashat for the, you should only do at tashrat the full tiyatrat you know uh, shvarim for the first Racha. and then one time tashat for the second one right tkia shvarim tiya and then for the third one tiyatrat that's it don't do any more than that 30? right yeah but why no it's not, yeah it's no it's nine why why because it's too long right it's too long so it's what do you mean it's too long our our, our prayers are 6 hours long Right, the the few more blasts that we put in between the musaf is we gonna make it so long. No, it's not even thirty. It's nine. It just says ten, ten. The, yeah, ten, ten. If you, if, if you count it. yeah. But if some people count it as two, some <laughs> count it as one. But the but the point is that he he thought that just adding a few more blasts it takes what three minutes longer. That he said no, that's too much to have the community. But we put all this other stuff in. It takes hours long. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah, the Rambam. What? he doesn't even talk about that. Yeah, Alma. In any case, Alma. Yeah, exactly, Alma or or Tahu. So that, that's, that shows you that or, the word or here, it says or, when it's talking about the first set of the prayers of Yom Kippur, it says or meaning the night of Yom Kippur. So obviously, because it's preceding Shacharit, so obviously, Shema Amina, that's a good proof again that or, uh, or Shelyom means the nighttime clearly, right? Ta another example, the Tanei Deveri he says clear when he's explaining the Mishnah, right, the Yeshiva of, of Shmuel said, the night of the 14th you search for the chametz. right, or ortahu. So again, it's another <laughs> proof, but if, since he's explaining this halachan, he calls it the night of the 14th. So obviously, he means to say that the or l'arba that's mentioned in the Mishnah is not talking about the daytime. Okay, so therefore, what? It doesn't matter whether it's Rav Rav the Alma or Ulta. Everybody really agrees that Or means the nighttime. This whole thing was a fake fake news, this <laughs> Okay, it wasn't real, fake right? It, was, it wasn't real. In other words, uh, that, uh, that, uh, that, uh, that uh, they misunderstood. They thought there was a machloket because when they translated the word or, one of them called it lele and one called, called it nagay, but that was just a difference in expression. It wasn't really a difference in content. Right? It was just that in the neighborhood of Ravona, they used the word nage to mean night. It would be like if some people called it night and some people call it evening or something like that. You know, they are different words for the same t- period of time. And, and that's the only thing. But so why does an hour Mishnah use the term <laughs> Lele to make it clear? The answer is Lishaname al It's just using it d'enakari. It wants to use a nice positive term. Right? A nice positive term, light. Instead of nighttime is darkness. It's It has negative connotation. Why don't use a positive term like light, even though it is not exactly literal? You know, it could be confusing. But since you see all these examples, the same term is used. Yeah. In, so it should be clear. Uh, in Tom, Adventures of Tom Sawyer, the evening means afternoon.
1: It, that's it, really? That's well,
0: the, language, the language then, evening. Right, it means that, a little bit earlier. It, it, it does, yeah. I mean, even, I think you know. even technically in English now, they, evening means like five or six o'clock, and night means like, you know, <laughs> eight o'clock. In we have also. It right. he he was supposed to be in yeah. school yeah. in the evening. Yeah. Right. Oh, in the evening, yeah. Oh, in, oh Even yeah. early in the afternoon they called yeah. it evening. Oh, because yeah. yeah. I know that people generally use the term evening to mean a little bit earlier, and night to mean later. That's interesting, yeah. There's a whole discussion of Ibn Ezra about what Ben Harbaim means. That the Ibn Ezra thinks bin Arabay means really means much later, not like right after uh, right after one o'clock, like most of the commentaries say. Anyway, okay, A person should never S- say a, 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 term that is a distasteful term. Now, Rashi says it doesn't mean that the word night is a distasteful term. It's just saying that you see the sensitivity to language and the connotation of language and, you know, a nuance of language. <laughs> because the Torah, like, went around and used eight additional letters in order to not say a negative word. <laughs> Because instead of saying from the pure animals and from the impure animals, it says from the pure animals and from the animals that are not pure. That's talking about Noach, right? Collecting the animals. So you see, now of course, as Rashi points out and the other Mephashim point out, there are plenty of places where the Torah uses the word Tameh says impure. But by taking one example where it goes out of its way to try to use, in other words, generally speaking, the Torah wants to be economical with its language. Rashi explains, I think, on Amud Bet here. He says, they want to be economical with its language because we say that a person should always teach a student in a, in the shortest way because it's easier to remember. When it, when somebody drones on, a lot of explanations very long, so it's harder to for it to enter the brain and to retain it. So it, shorter is better. But by taking an example where it's a little bit more lengthy and it goes out of its way to use nice words, it shows you that you know using the more being sensitive to the nuance of language is also a value. Okay, Papa There's actually nine letters that are added. When it talks about a person in the army. That is not tahor. It says "Ashelo sheloi tahor instead of shiyet tameh, right? So it goes out of its way to say he did he, he will not be pure instead of just saying he became tameh, just in order to show the sensitivity to language of inamar Esr. right? And he says actually there's ten letters there because vav de tahor because it could have written the word tahor without the vav. And it wrote it with the so, so actually, that's also considered extra letter. Okay? There's actually a case of 16 letters, because This is from uh, the Haftarav, Machar Chodesh, actually. We should recognize it, because this is when David Amelech doesn't show up to the Rosh Chodesh party of uh, of Shaul and Shaul gets angry and he says the first day he didn't show up he said okay biltita or because back then they ate everything Al they ate everything you had to be pure to come to the food so he said he said oh biltita oru kilota he doesn't say he was tamei. He says he wasn't Torah because he's not Torah. You see how it even emphasizes it twice. Instead of saying the word Tamek. So you see how uh, 16 extra letters to, uh, just to make that point. Tanya devi Rabbi Ishmael. A person should always use clean language, the Shiva Rabbi Ishmael taught. Because because when it talks about a Zav sitting on something, it calls it Mirkav. And when it talks about a woman, a Zava, it talks about a Moshav. Now Moshav, the difference is that, that, uh, that, uh, that the, Rachav to, to sit on something to ride implies the opening of the legs because you're sitting on the sa- you know you're sitting on the horse and that was considered like immodest to refer to a woman using that language but moshav is sitting it could also be with the <coughs> legs together so it's a better language to use when referring to a woman Trying it's a cleaner language horse also right. with the legs together side, side, yeah, side saddle yeah side saddle yeah yeah that's the idea but right now. What? That's not no, it would be, but it's saying the fact that it uses the term moshav and instead of mirkav is to you, it's using a language that doesn't evoke like certain associations that are uh-huh. not as appropriate, right? And then it says, You should always choose like wise language, and similarly, it says, and this is from Iyov, I think, right? Yes, right? 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 all right. That my, my language is boro really means clear, but I think he's using it to mean pure, you know, it to mean the pure language. Right? So the thing is my veomer, why do you need how many how many psukim do you need for the same point? Right, uh, you already showed me that, you know, the, the Torah uses Moshav instead of Merkav, sitting instead of writing, to be clean. Then you have to show me a Pasuk from Ishlay. Then you have to show me a Pasuk, for, or, or actually, though, they're both from Yiov. First you have to show me a, uh, pasuk, one Pasuk from Yov, and then another Pasuk from Yov. How many Pasukim do I need? Right, so it's a because you might have said, Maybe that is mider Right, in other words, the Torah is very careful about its language, because it's coming, Mipi uh, right, because it's coming from Hashem, so therefore the language has to be especially... Uh, Clean and proper, she says. He says she it says she atzam biagvura aval chachamin. But Mishnah bright and like pital d'shonam. But maybe the rabbis don't have to be so careful. That's why aval b'dravban and lo tashima veomer v'timchal d'shonavomim. That's why it's saying that you should pick. Careful language, crafty language, literally. In other words, it's talking that the chachamim also should use the So maybe you will tell me that that's only when you're talking about torah. In other words, when you're talking about the, the the torah, of course, is going to be proper. The rabbis also should be proper when they're talking about different torah. But when you're talking about sports, it's okay to talk about whatever language that you want. No, it says no. They're saying that I always spoke in a pure way, even when I'm talking about mundane things, I use clean language. So it's very interesting. You mean I could use extra letters, words. No, it's it, try to speak, in a, not clear, it's saying I mean, clean, 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 meaning you can use clean. euphemistic language, use language that is more appropriate, if you're, even if you're talking about a sensitive subject, and you'll see that people who are, let's say, especially when you're, we're more sensitive to this when we're speaking to a mixed crowd, we'll use more indirect language to, to refer to certain things, but we might be less careful about that in other contexts, with, uh, you know, more casual context, it's saying it's always good to use words that are more sensitive and more appropriate, you know, and I think that, you know, when, whenever you hear somebody uh, speak and they're not sensitive about that, it's a little bit jarring, you know, they, they'll, they'll be a little bit too direct and, and people expect like a little more class. Robert, uh, and can speech. you mispronounce so the word of chos because you don't want <laughs> to use it? Because it's by the Rosh Hashanah That's only nowadays. Now you're saying that's it wrong. Now you're saying it wrong. not according to the kaf. That's, that uh, the uh, yeah, but that's speak. only, it's only nowadays they use it's like slang. I mean, it's I don't so know. So, I mean, order. Order. People use that all the time. Why would you have to? why well, it's so, so it's not going to have clean language. No but it is clean language. They made it dirty a language. They turned it into a bad language. So you the know? Persians can't pronounce Adam and Chava's third son. <laughs> yeah. Um, anyway, so now... Um, Language, you know, pronunciation issue is different, I think. It so it says, <laughs> If you read the, the Parashav just a week ago, you would know that it does say that uh, Rivka wrote on the on Gmalim. So what do you mean writing didn't write on Gmalim? So uh, over there, because it's, a, it's scary to ride on a camel, I don't know, I never got to do one of those camel rides, but it's, it's scary up there on the camel. So it's normal even for a woman to ride, not side-saddle, to ride uh, with her legs also grasping a camel because it's too scary. What about when Moshe put his wife and his children both onto the donkey? Doesn't that show that uh, it's not necessarily side-saddle sitting? But it could be riding. That's because the boys are in that pasuk, so it's okay to refer to it. That's talking about Avigail going to greet David at night to interfe- intervene so he doesn't come and kill her husband Naval. There also, a woman will only ride with both legs open because she has to hold on tightly to the horse because it is late, at, or, or the donkey because it was nighttime, so she was afraid. Could be because of the, uh, it could be because lelia, right? Uh, it's not because of the night time, but it's because she was afraid to greet David because it was a very scary situation, so she needed to grab onto the to the donkey with every limb. Maybe she wasn't afraid of him either, but because she was coming down the mountain and uh, she'll be coming around the mountain when she comes, like the song says, and therefore she had to, gra- she was afraid to fall. But the point is that when it's necessary, it'll use also for a woman, meaning when it's justified by the context, but normally we try to use language that's more indirect, and also seemingly, they would try to ride in a way that was more modest if they could. Don't we find that the Torah actually does use the word tame a lot? I mean, you're going overboard here. It means whenever it's interchangeable, whenever you're, whenever the number of letters, the number of words will not, will not cost you too much, economically speaking, because the Torah is very careful about every word, and as Rashi says, we say, A person should always teach his uh, students in the most brief way, so they grasp the material. So it says there, it'll switch to a clean language. And anyway, any time when it would take too long to express things in a clean way, it'll take the short way. So the commentaries explain here that normally speaking, meaning, meaning, what did we say in the previous Amud that the Torah did add letters in order to stay use clean language? So meaning, it would do that in a, in certain examples to show you the idea that you should try to avoid language that is not clean. Even though when you're teaching or when you're learning Torah <laughs> or the Torah itself will use Words. We'll use the, the 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 briefest approach. We'll try to strive for brevity in expression, but it's trying to show you that where brevity won't be sacrificed, you should always try to choose um inti- you know language that is uh, uh, that doesn't intimate anything which is inappropriate. They always try to be brief, but it's saying if they can not sacrifice being brief and choose a word that is more appropriate, that's better. Right? If you're gonna have to say a whole long paragraph every time to substitute for one word, then people are not gonna be able to follow. But if you're able to, but by taking a couple of examples and going out of its way to use clean language, it shows you that that should be a priority, just like brevity should be a priority. Some say it was rafuna in the name of Rav, and some say it was actually in the name of Rav Meir. A person should always strive for brevity when they teach, because that's the way that a, a student best learns. But you're telling me that any time it's interchangeable, you should use the respectful language. Right? Well, you know, there the, the, the term rochevet is used and, uh, and it's the same le- number of letters. So why doesn't it say Yoshevit? Why does it have to say rochevet? Because it uses the word Yoshevit, So it says, oh, that's true. But could be without the vav, and since it's without the vav, it's actually one letter shorter, and that's why it was economical to say instead of yoshevet. Okay, all right. Now, so but the point is that uh, that uh, they say that if so, why can't you just write yoshevet without a vav, yeah, right? Yes, yeah, so uh, yes, yeah, so Rashi and Tosafot both say because then they would have made a drasha out of why the vav is missing, and they would have you know they had uh, other issues, yeah. they would have come along with that. They so therefore, have they didn't, uh, sure, I, I guess they don't have a drasha on this one. Yeah, they don't have a drasha on the rochevet, right? But uh, they said anytime your shev is written without a vav. Because it's unusual, there's always a drasha. I guess rochevet, rochev, sometimes it's written with, sometimes without, it doesn't make a difference, but Yoshev and Yoshevet, some is always written with, with a vav, except there exceptional cases. So therefore, they're afraid they would make a drasha out of it. So they couldn't do that. Now, in any case, um, there were two students in front of Rav. One guy said, this teaching is maybe like something else that's tired. Something else means a pig. I feel like a tired pig. I don't know what a tired pig feels like, but I guess he did. Said no, it made me feel like a tired goat, baby goat, like a kid, not a kid, child, a kid, goat. Right, gdi, right? Said I, I feel like a tired goat. And and Rav would no longer talk to the one who used the term pig. He said, Why would a person use a pig? pig was considered to be like dirty, and you know, why would you use a non kosher thing to describe yourself? And uh, instead of a uh, instead of a goat. Alright? There were two students that were in front of Hillel. One of them was Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai. Or in the alternate version of the story, it was in front of Rabbi, not, uh, not Hillel. And one of them was Rabbi Yochanan, so a later generation. One said, was teaching the the rule, and we learned this rule before actually. Why do you harvest grapes? You have to use all, uh, you have to use kelim. You have to use vessels that are taor. But when you pick uh, olives, you don't have to, okay? Uh, and one of them said, "Instead of saying uh, he didn't say why do we why do we uh, pick grapes and we pick uh, we don't." Pick olives uh, and He said, "Why do we pick grapes with and We pick olives ah? Mm-hmm. which isn't really isn't really true. Actually, I think that's the point. Like, even though before they said that you have to be you have to be the most uh, brief, but it's not really true. You don't have to be bittumah, yeah. right? It's just you don't have to be uh, pure. What's the, re- the reason why? Was because the grape juice that dribbles off of the grapes is considered valuable because it's already grape juice. A person wants to collect it, so therefore it will create tumah. Because we learned that any liquid that you want." will make the fruits susceptible to Tum'ah. So you have to use Kelim that, is, that are also taur, Because otherwise the, the grapes will become susceptible to Tum'ah because you want that grape just to stay on there. And then they're going to touch the Kelim that are not. But, uh, but when it comes to olives, the, whatever uh, exudes oil. from... Like the sweat of the olives is not olive oil. So, so they don't care about that. right? But the point was... He said, This guy, the one that said... That used tahara for both of them. Either it was Rabban Yochanan ben Zakkai or it was Rabbi Yochanan. They didn't remember which one. He said it's not going to be a long time before this person is a teacher in Israel. And it wasn't a long time before, indeed, he became a teacher, a posek of halachot in the, uh, among the Jewish people. There were three koanim, wanted them, uh, uh, Kapul, "Give me a, a, a piece." They were talking about the um the, the lechem apanim. He said, Give me a piece that's the size of a bean. And one said, give me the size that's an oalat. One of them said, Give me like a lizard's tail size. Right? They're not a very like nice image, right? You're using that right. They found out that he had a psul. He was, he was not so kosher. Basul. He wasn't. He was, a, yeah, he was. Yeah, that's what He was, <laughs> he was basul. It, once he used that language, they found out that his that his mother was not really uh, kosher for the kula. So he wasn't really a kosher kohen. They could tell that he didn't have class, right? Rashid right. What? Yeah, well, yeah. Rashi says he's a halal. That means that his mother was not uh, was not his father was a kohen, but his mother was not uh, kosher for kula. So that would mean that um, because of his language, his insensitive language, you could tell something about his upbringing that he wasn't uh, 100%. That's not. We have a rule generally that. Meaning, we don't normally, once a person's already serving, in the, it says in Masachet Kiddushin, once a person's already serving in the Beit HaMikdash as a Kohen, we don't start nitpicking and trying to find uh, dirt on them. You know, they're already doing it. We assume that they were already vetted. We don't have to reopen every case. <laughs> it doesn't mean that he actually was a halal. It doesn't mean that he actually, his lineage was in question, but that he was, uh, she says, Who at Smohiya gasruach. He himself was arrogant, and, and he wasn't an appropriate person. In other words, that one expression that he used led them to evaluate his character, not his zichus. They weren't looking at his uh, family background. They said when a person speaks in a coarse way, you kind of start to wonder, where, what is this guy's you know, general character? And then they saw that the way he treated the Korbanot also wasn't really respectful, and it wasn't really with dignity, and it wasn't really with kedushah. Yeah, it really does show. If a person talks a certain way, then you see that it manifest itself in, another aspect of their life as well it really tells you a lot it could be that he even did have a family uh, defect um, but why did they investigate him if normally we don't investigate people and uh, right so the first answer was they didn't need to investigate they just started paying attention to the fact that he had no class and they didn't want him doing the Korbanot. but the second one the second answer says no actually because he gave them reason to investigate meaning we don't we, we, we don't assume that a kohen that's serving has any problem in his background like a person comes to the synagogue we don't usually say are you Jewish? We assume they come to pray. Right? But if they give you some indication, like, and I've seen cases like this where people will come and you would think they're Jewish, but then they start they say certain things or do certain things, you realize they're not like uh, one of the tribe, you know? There's something there that's missing, or they say certain things, so then it, they kind of give themselves away, then you investigate. And then I've been in situations like that where I just start asking them a few questions and eventually it comes becomes clear that they were not uh, of the faith, but how here's a f- very famous, very funny story. Well, it's not funny for the uh, for the for one of the ma- b- yeah. characters, but there was a certain Aramean, a non-Jew, who would go up and participate in the Korban Pesach in Yerushalayim every year. Okay, Amari um, said, he said, He would say, it says in their Torah that a non Jew is not allowed to eat from the Korban Pesach, an uncircumcised not allowed to eat, and I eat the best of the meat, I get the best. Amar le Rabbi Yudab ben Beterah. Rabbi Yudab ben Terasa Tosfot asks why Rabbi Yudab ben Beterah wasn't himself going to up to Aliyah LeRegel and all that. He's talking to this guy. I guess he overhears it. He says, "Mikasafulach me Aliyah? Do they give you from the tail of the sheep? It's so good. The tail of the sheep is part of don't the korban. Yeah, yeah. Right. So now in a in a in a goat you're allowed to eat that, right? But in a sheep it goes on the Mizbeh. Right in a korban, I mean, it's not—it's the only part of I should, it's the only part of the animal that you're allowed to eat when it's a regular animal, but you're not allowed to eat when it's a korban. Let's put it that way. So if you ate it, it's because you're allowed to eat, a, a, you know, you're allowed to eat it in a regular. It's the only part of the, like fat of the animal that goes on the mizbeach as it, when it's a korban, but is you're allowed to eat when it's not a korban, right? right? So now, so so he said, he said, have you ever had the fatty tail? It's so good. lay low. So he said. So he said, when they go, you better tell them, give me from the aliyah, give me from the tail, I want some of the tail, it's so good. He's like, you're, you're missing out on the best part, they're not giving you the best part. I said, hey, I pay money here, I want to get the best. It says on Rashi, he pays money, he says, I want to get the best. So maybe he was Jewish Ephraim. Right? So, <laughs> when he went up, he said to them, I want some of that aliyah. The tail goes on the mizbeach. Um, really, so they saw something was fishy here. They said to him, "Mana Who told you to make this uh, request that you wanted?" that? Oh uh, Rabbi ben They said, "Rabbi Uda ben Bitterah told me." Now, obviously, so it wasn't some like Shmegegi in the back of the you know, thing. Oh, no, because he thought he was on, I- innocent. He thought yeah. he was telling you a good. He's saying, meaning it would be like, oh, Beguda it would be Christ. like if somebody comes here and and, and you ask them, uh, who told you that you could do this?" Or oh, Rabbi ben Chaim told me. Oh, Rabbi ben Chaim. Okay, okay. Right? So he thought, I'm using, like, my credibility. I'm g- coming in saying, uh, I, 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 I have it from Rabbi Yehuda ben Bitterah. You're supposed to give it to me. Oh, you yeah, but they know that that means something else, right? So what did they do they do? I'm, oh, my, hi, command. They say, what is this guy here? So, Badku, Batre, Vashkichuhu, Dharmaahu, Vikatluhu. So they realized that he was an Aramean and they killed him. They sent a message to Rabbi Yehuda ben Bitterah. They said, Peace unto you, Rabbi Udab ben Bitterah. You are a Nitzivin but your net is stretched out in Jerusalem, and you caught a criminal all the way in Jerusalem. Yeah. From what you did, right now, Rav Kana was is sick. Mita, if comes ah, they, they if they were able to, not really, but you know they realized he was a bad guy. Rav Kana if they had the power to do it, Rabbi So Rav Kana was sick, and they sent Rabbi Yeshua Braid the Rav Idi to visit him. Amule. Zil bedok Go see what the situation is with him that he's sick. So when he got there, he saw that Rav Kana had died already. So he tore his garment and he put it behind him. He didn't have it in the front of his shirt. So they said to him did he pass away and I don't want to say it the person who brings a bad report is a fool meaning you could see from the fact that I have a torn shirt and I'm crying what the situation is I don't want to say it right so uh, they say what it, either that means he was a sofer it comes from the word uh to engrave to or it means uh, or it just could mean the name of a place right now he went out to the to the city uh, to the field rather when he came back, they said to him, did the wheat come out well? Uh, you know, there's a good wheat this year. And he said, uh, the barley was good. So... Uh, he didn't say negative. Right, he didn't say the negative. Go tell the, the horses and donkeys that they have a lot of food, you know, because the, the people then eat it was for the... Them. Right, it was for them. Right? Because it says in the Pasuk, it's a, because it says that the uh, barley and the straw is It's for the... Uh, it's for the uh, the horses and the other rides that people would go on. In other words, the animals that were riding animals were the ones that ate that kind of stuff, not us. So tell us about the wheat. So my havel more. What should he have said? Then they got angry at him. In other words, he was trying to say it indirectly that no, the wheat was bad. That we had a bad wheat crop. Right? So they, because he went out to the <laughs> villages to check this, he should have just said, so, so he came in and just told them what was positive. He's trying to be, uh, see the cup is half full, not half empty, you know, something like that. Optimistic. So, right, optimistic. So they said, what should he have said? He should have said, well, last year the crop was good. You know, Oh or he could have said or he could have said that the, the lentils were good, so we'll be able to have lentil soup, but maybe not <laughs> uh, maybe not so much khala this year, more lentil soup, but the idea is that a person should always try to choose uh, his expressions to be you see here not only expressions um in terms of uh, cleanliness of expression, but also to try to focus on the positive to try to focus on a, on, a, on optimism, not to use language that has a negative connotation that brings people down I think there 's a lot of wisdom in this, you know even when we 're talking about something that is uh, difficult if we could talk about it in the positive terms it's always more constructive that way when you see two people having conversation and they're able to look at things problematic things but in a constructive way or you know when you when you get a report card from for your kids it's always like oh he's doing this well and this well and he's working on this you know it doesn't say he stinks in this and you know, hopefully i mean if the teacher is not good it might say that but uh, normally a teacher understands that it's better to give the positive idea and the positive vision than the negative because it's uh, it's more constructive that way and it's it's There's a lot of wisdom in this uh, in this approach to speech. Okay.